Hello, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Solomon Magura, and people call me Sol. And I'm married to Jeanette, and uh, she's from the Faroe Islands. And we have two boys, Micah and Ruben, who are nine years old. And they've just started their fifth year at school here in the National School in Geneva. And we lead a congregation called Redeemer Grace, which we planted seven years ago in this city by the grace of God. It is really an honor and a privilege for me to share with you uh, via the screen in St. Mary of Bethany in Woking, a place we know very well because I used to be a youth pastor as Smob uh, 13 years ago. The chances are you are sitting in a seat that I sat in and I kept it warm for you. And I'm glad that you are keeping it warm for someone else because, because uh, St. Mary's is a place of great warmth. We've got some deep, fond memories of um, our time there. Recently, uh, Jonathan and Alenka and their family were here in Geneva, so we got to see them and kind of again just reminded us of, of the love that we share with you and, and, and thank you for the people you are and how you support us in the work of grace that we are involved in here in Geneva. My task today is twofold. One is to share from the word of God with you and encourage you. And the other is to also let you know of the work we are doing so that you may be able to pray for us more intelligently because you are aware of what we are doing and we can encourage one another in this work of God's grace in this city. So just like you here in Geneva, we've just come out of our summer break. And it means that for every year for us, it's starting again. A sense in which we have to start again, a sort of fresh, and we always have at least a third of our church leave every year. So it's a lot of new faces and and, and rethinking and replanning and and restrategizing things. And 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 everybody does this. There's a moment in which in our, in our culture in our lives where we have to do a restart. And I'm sure the same thing is happening with you. And restarts can actually be exciting times, but it also can be painful times, just like endings. And, and, and I'm very much aware when, when the moment of restart begins, we have to, we have a lot of questions. And those questions are often about what we are doing. So the questions about, am I doing a good job? Could I do my job better? Am I in the lane I'm meant to be in? Or am I using my gifts well? And as a disciple and a follower of Jesus, maybe the question is my, how am I being faithful to the calling that God has on my life? And maybe the question is about the church asking the same question. Are we being successful in the work of making disciples and 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 moment of introspections are beautiful because they force us to ask questions and the other side of a good question is the potential for beauty the other side of a good question is always an invitation to beauty but let's be honest the reason sometimes we ask questions and we get to this place of introspection is because life has pushed on us Things from outside us have come in and they have disturbed us and we're feeling disoriented and hence we're needing to find our orientation. And another place can be a very painful place because we are forced to ask the questions. But as I said, that actually is a beautiful thing that we can actually begin to clarify who we are, what we're doing, and, and, and out of that, um, how we can do this better and stronger. 
But today I want to kind of approach this from a different perspective because yesterday I went to an event where the school had invited all the parents and the teachers for a get-together before the year begins. And I always go to these places with my ears on the ground. And this time I did the same. I was just listening to what people are saying. And the moment they know that I'm from a church or I'm a Christian or I'm a pastor, it's very, it's always changes the kind of conversations we have. And, 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 but here's what's been happening in those conversations as I've been listening to people. And this is what people tell me. They say, oh, I used to have a faith and I've lost my faith. Or, uh, I must go back to church. It's been a long time since I've been to church. Or I'm very angry with the church or I'm angry with God or, or total rejection of faith. And to be honest with you, this, these are coming from places where people have actually had some experience and have rejected those experiences. But also, there's also like a beautiful thing that's happening because because of what has happened because of COVID. Some people are actually asking and trying to give church a go. But here's the question I have for you. If, if people come and ask questions, and especially in the moment that we find ourselves in right now, we actually, there's so many things that are actually disorienting. COVID is one thing, but there's many other things that are happening right now that are so confusing. And it feels like everything's up in the air and people are asking questions. People are confused. And the question I want to ask you is, do we have a gospel response to this? Can we truly say we are people of good news? Can we truly say to a world that is in need of hope because I can see it everywhere and I read it everywhere and I can hear it from everywhere. People are looking for something solid to stand on. People are looking for hope. There's so much cynicism out there. And there's a desperate need for hope. And my question is, for you and for me as a disciple of Jesus, in our asking the questions in this moment of introspection, do we have a gospel hope as a response? Do we have joy for people who right now lack joy? Do we have hope for people who need hope? So in the book of Romans, chapter five, um, it's, it's a beautiful, Romans is a beautiful, rich theological book and, and it's deep. And, and I'm just going to just pick up a few verses and then we're going to, um, then, then I'm going to share another bits of the Bible as well. And, and the title in this, I mean, um, in this passage, it kind of focuses on the two words, it focuses on the, on, on, on the peace and the joy. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we, I mean Christians, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Into the grace in which we now stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So in this verse, we hear that we have confidence in the peace that's been given to us through the grace that God has given us. But although we have the peace and the grace that there is suffering because it produces perseverance in us, 
because it produces character in us. And so we have a sure hope that which we stand on. So friends, do we have a response to a, to a dying world and a suffering world and a confused world and a disoriented world as a Christian? Do we have a hope? Yes, we do. And where is the hope? In our discipleship to Jesus. In our discipleship to Jesus. And how do we do that? In abiding in his grace. In abiding in his grace. In the moment of introspection, we want to get a sense of calling. And we as a people of hope, we have a calling. What's his name? Uh, Frederick Beckner. He's a writer from New York. Um, he wrote a book called The Wishful Thinking of a Theologian. And, and in this book, he's, he writes this. The place God calls you is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I'll say that again. The place where God calls you is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where your, your joy and the hunger of the world, the place where they collide is a place where we feel a sense of calling. As followers of Jesus, this place of introspection is a place where we have to ask the question about our discipleship of Jesus. How is my life in Jesus meeting the hunger of the world? How is the joy that is in me, if it is there, coming to colliding with the need of the world? I love it in the scriptures. We hear this story of when the Pharisees go to Jesus and, and they say, Jesus, um, what is the most important rules? Because most, most as if they didn't want to do the hard work, they wanted Jesus kind of to summarize to him what is the most important thing. And Jesus said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like the same. Love the neighbor as you love yourself. So the first is I come to Jesus trying to trick him by saying, just, just make it simple. Just give me a simplest, simplistic answer. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, actually, it's quite simple. Being a disciple, being a follower, being the one who's devoted into the way. You need to love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, with everything, by the way. And the second is the same as the first. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. In this moment of introspection, maybe the question we need to ask ourselves is, how are we doing as far as loving God? How are we doing as far as loving our neighbor? If we're really honest, when we ask these questions in this moment, we can truly say, we're not doing very good. We're not doing very good. And the reason why we don't do very good is because actually we are broken people. We are broken people. I'm just trying to think about the guys at the school with asking questions about Christian faith and all the stuff. I'm wondering, Maybe the what they need to hear, which is good news, is something that we need to remind ourselves, which is good news, is that we are not good at loving God and loving neighbor. And what that means is that then we actually are taking stock about our failure to live up to the way of Jesus. Part of the way of us reclaiming our place as disciples and those who steward hope in a, in a dying world is first by taking the place of being honest about our failures and disappointments. 
in doing what we are meant to be doing as disciples of Jesus, loving God and loving others. In some ways, another way of putting this is this, is that we need to recognize that we need to repent because we're not good at doing well. That's why we need grace. The, the hope of the gospel is empowered and driven by grace. But grace can only come to those who are in need of it. What is the hope of the gospel? It's grace. And grace comes to those who are weak. It sounds counterintuitive, but it is the gospel. The gospel always begins with our brokenness. We are broken people. And, and as I say that in this moment of introspection, the world is asking the question, and so is the church. The world is finally trying to find its way, and so is the church, because we are actually quite the same as the world. And so the sooner we come to terms with the fact that we are broken and sinful people, the sooner we become people of good news. We have failed to live up to what God has asked us to do. Sins of omission and sins of commission. We have broken the law. We have failed to fulfill what we're supposed to do. That's the first thing. Hope comes from ashes. Seed and germination and renewal comes from the seed falls to the ground. And suffering for Christians is actually in many ways a telltale sign as well that the deeper work of God is happening. It's not always everything great and glorious and, uh, and amazing. Sometimes it actually is the dying to self, the humble way, the, the folding our knees and going to the ground and taking our, our hands and washing the feet. It feels like as if it's not power, it's not strength. It feels like it's losing. But that is the gospel. Begins with weakness with weakness. So we have a hope, we have a gospel that we can cling onto and hold onto. And the gospel starts from a place in one hand of humility. But in other hands, we have a confidence. We have a confidence. In one hand, we know that we cannot save ourselves, but in the other hand, we know that we have been given by God all that we need. So we can stand with confidence and say that we have died in our transgression, as, as Ephesians would put it. But we look to God, who is our hope. And in him, we have this hope in the grace that he has bestowed on us. Nothing we can earn on our own. Something we receive from him, which is a great gift from him. So what answer do we have for the world, friends? It's, it's a two-handed answer. One hand, the confidence in what God has done and we possess. And the other hand is humility, knowing that we cannot do this on our own. And so when people are asking the questions and people are wondering, is there good news? Maybe the way the church responds, one hand with humility, Another end with confidence would proclaim to them a church that knows 
the one who has died for them in humility and the one who raises up to walk in newness of life, in the power of the Spirit. Both hands, friends. And so how does this play itself out? It's played itself out by doing this, friends. It's by telling people where we are at, struggles and all, what and all, and saying that is who I am, but I have a great hope in the joy of the promise of what God has given me, which I receive with humility, his grace. And if we get into the world in that posture, on one hand, humbled, but another hand, confident, then we can say, like all scriptures that we can read and tell in the middle of the night, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That not my job, not my career, not my success, not my, my failures could define who I am, but my real identity is decided by the one who's loved me in my brokenness and offered me eternal life as a gift. And so I walk with boldness. And so when we approach the people in their moments of struggle and asking about their jobs and everything, we can say, the jobs are not going to be what fulfills you. And we can tell the story of how that is true to us. That is discipleship, friends. Being honest in one hand and, and being confident in God's word with another. Of close with a story. 2019, just before COVID hit, a family moved into our congregation. Um, they came for one week and then I didn't see them again. But I remember the week I saw them, they told me a very tragic story. And so when I didn't see them again, I, I knew that maybe they're trying to figure, make sense of what just happened in their lives and everything. And then I found out they were going to another church. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to leave them there. Then 2019, they kind of up came to our church towards the end of it, just before COVID hit. And, and then the pastor from the church we had gone to uh, called me up and said, I mean, this guy, I mean, the wife just walked away from faith and they're in a very bad place. And, 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 and he said, just make room for them. And so that's what I did. We just welcomed them. And you know what happened? Corona hits and then we go online. And, and I have conversations with them online, but, but it's really hard. And the wife doesn't want to talk about God. It's just totally out of the picture and out of the question. Fast forward. A few, a few months down the line and with things are beginning to open up a little bit and masks on and everything. And then she said, and then she decides, um, she wants to get involved somehow in the community. And so, uh, she's, she's an artist. And so we give her an opportunity for her to do something online with other people in the church. Fast forward about seven weeks ago, they were leaving our community. They were moving to another part country. I mean, another part of, uh, of, of Europe. And normally what we do when people leave, we, we actually do a good job of saying goodbye well, where we stand together and people say words to one another, they say words back. But friends, I couldn't stand that day because I was in a, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. Because what this wife said, as we're sharing with everybody, which I knew already before we came back to share together, is that the last three years, when everything seemed shut and broken and, and, and when I honestly, I did not have hope. God was doing the work of renewal. 
And so when she came to a place where she'd given up her faith, she had recognized that she was broken on her own self and she couldn't do this Christian thing anymore. Humility. And God, through kind of our fumbling around with online stuff and trying, somehow God began to do the work of renewal in her by offering her grace afresh. And 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 in the, me as a church leader in that whole time, I'm just getting like this. Things are happening, but man, it's hard. It's hard. Um, so to hear them standing in front of the church with all their children, saying. This two years in this church congregation has been a moment for them to regather themselves and to heal again. And I was in tears because I knew that it did nothing to do with me, but everything to do with the God who brings restoration to those who are humble, those who are on the ground. It is indeed true that even now when people are feeling disoriented and we are all over their map, that God is doing the work of restoration and renewal. Can we dare believe that it comes in simple ways? It comes in how we invite people and how we are honest about our own failures too and how we are, we are we're trusting God even when we don't have strength to do so. Because remember what I said as I began, whatever's the end of the question, the moment of introspection, it is grace that's going to power you to live the Christian life that God has called you to live. Friends, at St. Mary's of Bethany, thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you for making it possible for us to make space for people like this couple I've just mentioned. Thank you for helping us in our weakness be a witness of the gospel so that indeed we may receive the grace of God so that the hope of the gospel may truly be great joy for all. Bless you, friends. I pray for you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessings to you. Amen.